Romans chapter number 5. We'd like to read the first 11 verses responsibly this morning. Allow me to read verse number 1, and now we'll read the succeeding odd-numbered verses. Would you please begin reading with me in verse number 2, in the five even-numbered verses, please, reading together. That's 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, and reading responsibly. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as the roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions and, and are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto the eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. In verse 11, would you read it with me, please? To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And God is blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, Holy Spirit of God, take these words, these famous words in Scripture, Lord, and speak to our hearts once again, we pray, afresh and anew. Maybe for some for the first time, dear God, bless our children's church as well. May it be said by all that it was comforting to be in the house of the Lord. We'll thank you for it, Lord. We pray you bless and the message to follow we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you, Eric. Again, good to have you back. Thank you, Brother Dave. Good to have him back. You may be seated, by the way. And uh, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but it's good to have Nancy Kai in the service this morning here. She's mad at me now, and, uh, but I uh, had eye surgery a week and a half ago, and I'm surprised to see her this morning with her, her sunglasses on, of course, but I'm glad she's here. Of course, she had eye a surgery, pretty serious surgery, quite a long recovery time as well. Noticeably absent this morning is uh, Janet Cole. Uh, Janet wouldn't mind me saying, Janet's, Janet's 80, and Janet's uh, taking care of George, who's 81, I believe it is. And he had surgery on Wednesday, and uh, pray for George if we could. And then her son David, their son David, I should say, I think he's 58 or 60 years old, and he had surgery last week, and he's, Jan, Janet's playing nurse for both of them, and so pray for Janet. She never complains, of course, and, and uh, some never complain, and then there's babies like me. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a baby, that's my wife when it comes to, uh, in fact, uh, I, was, I was feeling sorry. I, I hate these glasses, uh, not these glasses in particular. In fact, I have to wear glasses after uh, 55 years or so, never having to wear glasses. And I was feeling sorry for myself at the 815 service. We had a whopping 11 people come to the 815 service, all adults, and I wanted to say something about my glasses because I got progressives. Paul told me, I thought I had bifocals, 
But bifocals are the old-fashioned things, I guess, you know, where the, you know, nearsighted and farsighted, you, you, most of you glass people who know what I'm talking about, of course. But I have progressives, and so, you know, right now, okay, you're, I'm focused in on you. You're, you're, you're not a blur. But if I just adjust just a little bit, and then when I go down to look at my Bible, you people are glass, you know what I'm talking about, of course. And uh, I was feeling bad for... Uh, you know, myself at 815 service, and I realized that everybody in the whole service had glasses on, of course. <laughs> and uh, it's rough getting old, I tell you. It's rough getting when your eyes get bad and so forth. And so feel sorry for me. And all God's people said, oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I have a, I called it a lovey-dovey message this morning. I like these when the Lord gives me permission to preach these type of messages here. I'm referring to First Peter chapter 5, verse number 7. Is our text verse, of course. It's a great verse. It's a wonderful verse. And I saw my daughter, Kristen Best, just walked out of the service. I wanted to roast her this morning. I'm going to roast her anyhow. She's not here now. I'll really double roast her in a few moments here. But uh, First, John, First Peter chapter 5, verse number 7, the Bible says, notice it with me, every word, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Let's try that together. Ready? Here we go. Ready? Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Long after you forget this message, which will happen very shortly, hopefully you remember the verse. Try it one more time. Ready? Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Peter, the now veteran apostle, the statesman, once notoriously impetuous, in your face cocky, we would say a know-it-all, uh, open mouth and third foot type of guy. I, I can do it myself guy. Peter says, now humbly and yet forcefully, he doesn't say laying all your care. He says casting the fisherman that he was. Casting all your care, not part of your care, all your care upon him. For he careth for you. The verse doesn't say that God will take care of you. It doesn't say that. Now, he does take care of us, and we'll, we'll look at that here in a few months, but that's not what the verse says. The verse says, he careth for you. Uh, Kristen, Beth, uh, I have a note in my Bible. I, uh, you know, I have a wide-leaf margin Bible. I've had this Bible for, I don't know, a lot of years now, maybe 20 years. Uh, I'm doing things that I never said I'd do before. I read, I'm reading my Bible now. I'm reading my Bible from my phone. I said, I never read my Bible from my phone. I'm now reading my Bible from my phone. It's so much easier to read it. It's larger print and so forth. I can read it in the car and I can just flip. And uh, I always thought you cell phone people that follow along in the Bible on your phone, you're wicked. Now I'm, now I'm having my daily devotions on my phone, of all things. And, and, uh, but there's something to be said for the Word of God, the physical hard copy Word of God, because you put notes in your Bible. Remember those days? I have a note in my Bible from way back when. I have a note, and I never thought I'd forget this, but I forgot about it. And next to 1, John, 1 Peter 5, 7, I have Kristen Beth. I'll take care of it, is uh, my note. And I remember, the best I can recollect, and Kristen was an independent spirit when she was a tweeny. And uh, she got a lot of her dad in her and a lot of, uh, remember when you, you, you conquered the world all by yourself, or you thought you could at least? And uh, everything was uh, hunky-dory, and everything was, you got everything taken care of and in control. Kristen was, uh, uh, I, got it, I got it dead, I got it covered. And I remember, it's very foggy in my mind, my, my 
old, old age mind here. I can't remember the specific, but I remember there was an event that happened where Kristen in her pompousness, in her 13-year-old, 14-year-old uh, mindset, she said, Dad, I got it. I can take care of this. I'll do it myself. All along, smugly, I know she was going to fail utterly. But I also knew that Dad was going to be there to pick her up and Mom was going to be there to take care of her. Here's Peter, Mr. Pompous Fisherman, Mr. Spokesman of the, the, the Apostles, Mr. I got it all together. Now he's at the end of his life and he realizes he doesn't have it all together and he says, casting not some of your care, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. He, Peter, he wrote, first of all, to the, just in way of introduction very quickly here, if you just glance at our first verses, verse number one, he, reads, he preaches to, uh, he's speaking to shepherds, elders, the presbyteros, the, the, uh, the, the poimenes or the shepherds, the elders which are among you, I exhort. Peter uh, was talking to faithful shepherds and he promised uh, in verse number one, of a coming glory that uh, be partakers of the glory that shall be revealed, verse number one says. Verse two, he's, he, or verse number four, he speaks about the recipients of a, being a recipient of a crown of glory. Verse number six, for time's sake, the last half of the verse, he talks about a day of coming of, for the pastor, the faithful pastor, a day of exaltation, a day of, uh, of, of, of uh, rewards or an awards day. And then in verse number 10, he summarizes to these shepherds. He says, there's going to come a day of completion. In fact, look at verse 10. For the God of all grace who hath called, notice he uses that word all again. The God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that, he, he have suffered a while. Just a short period of life. We're here today, gone tomorrow. Make you perfect or mend you, establish you, strengthen you, settle you. And so he talks about a coming day of completion and a coming day of perfection. And so in the middle of all these great and exceeding precious promises, Peter reminds us in the middle of this passage of Scripture, verse number 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now most of you have a reference Bible, but some of you follow along on your phone, so you don't have a reference there. So if you follow along in your Bible... You might have a reference of Psalm 55 in verse 22 in the flyleaf or the center margin of your Bible, which is the parallel Old Testament passage of Scripture. Cast thy, Psalm 55, 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. He gave a qualifier. He shall never suffer the righteous to be removed. Those not self-righteousness, those with God-righteousness, or in our case, Christ righteousness. And I want you to know the text does not say, although it's true in many cases that God takes care of us, we live and move and have our being by God. But there's a qualifier. But I want you to know that the Bible doesn't say in verse Peter 5, 7 that he will take care of us. He says, he careth for us. And I want to give you in rapid fire, if I can, this morning in six things in regards to the, the Lord cared for Peter, what he cared for Peter about. He cared for Peter, first of all, in Luke 5, and for time's sake, we'll not turn there. Let me just tell you the story. Most of you know it. Luke 5, 1 through 11, God, we see that God took care of Peter's physical or material needs. He takes care of our physical needs. Here we see strong, burly fisherman Peter and his brother Andrew and James and John and the sons of Zebedee. And they're fishing all night on the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Gethsemane, the Bible says in Luke 5. And many of you know the story. A man stands on the shore, and of course that man is the Lord Jesus. And he says, 
cast your nets out in, uh, I'm paraphrasing, launch out into the deep and, and let down your nets for a draft. And Peter said, he yells out in his big, brawny fisherman's voice. He says, Simon said unto him, Master, we have trolled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, we will let down the net. We could preach a whole message on this one, one portion of Scripture, couldn't we? Jesus said, let down your nets for a draft. And Peter let down the net, and you, you know the rest of the story, most of you, that they closed a great multitude of fishes, so much so that the net break. And Peter, they, they, Peter runs and falls down, and I paraphrase again, falls down at Jesus' knees in verse 8, of, and he says, oh, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. And, of course, he became a fisher of men from that point on. But it's interesting that Peter, the veteran fisherman he was, he fished all the night and caught nothing. Maybe, we don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us, maybe he fished all the week and caught nothing. You ever go to work for a whole week and at the end of the week say, did I get anything accomplished? <laughs> Anybody else like that? You know, it's like, did I get anything? You know, sometimes, you know, I got to be careful here, but I'll just say, I'll say it this way. I'll just, just popped in my head. You know, some of us have four speeds, you know, slow, slower, reverse, and catastrophe. You know, pray, pray, pray for slow, you know. And uh, I used to be able to do several things at once. Now I'm, I'm lucky if I can do one thing at once, and that's pretty slow when I'm doing that one thing. But Peter, Peter maybe toiled all the night. He did toil all the night. Maybe he toiled all the week and caught nothing. But nevertheless, at God's word, he cast out the net. And he got more fish in that one 10-minute period or whatever time it was, just a few minutes of time, than he got in maybe weeks or months or maybe the whole year, a great catch of fishes. God promises to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so we have a great God that he's able to, as a great heavenly father, he meets our physical needs. Not only does he meet our physical needs, but he meets our financial needs. In Mark, Matthew chapter 17, verses 24 to 27, we'll not turn there again, but Jesus comes to Peter at Capernaum and, and uh, they, they ask uh, whether... Uh, they should pay tribute money. They had to pay tribute money. They had to pay taxes. I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I've hated taxes all my adult life. Have you hated taxes like I hate taxes? The more taxes they make, I mean, I, I've been complaining about Connecticut for my whole entire 40 years of living here, 38 years of living here. And uh, just, just, I just want to gripe for a minute, so let me get far away here. Let me really gripe. You people that don't live in Torrington, so we decided we needed a $153 million new school for people that aren't even meeting in schools. And that means people that own houses, like I own houses, their taxes go up. It's like, I want to scream right now. And I know you're more godly than I am. I mean, you don't want to scream. You say, amen, Give, render to Caesar what's Caesar, and God, things are God. But uh, that, that, pardon the slang, that ticks me off. And Peter said, Lord, we're going to pay taxes. Do you think we should pay taxes? And the Lord says, I'll take care of it for you. Go fishing, Peter. Just throw out a, just throw out a, a line this time, not a net. And he says, first fish you catch, problem would take care of. I mean, how many have caught a fish and had a, had a uh, Eisenhower silver dollar in the fish's mouth? This is what happened in, in the story here. God takes care of our financial needs. He takes care of our physical needs. Thirdly, and I'm trying to race here, Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to 31. And again, for time's sake, we'll not turn there. But Peter, some a certain worldwide church believes he's their first founder, their first pope. 
And if he is, he's support. And of course, the popes aren't allowed to get married. Peter's the only guy that ever had a mother-in-law that didn't have a wife, of course. And and I, I think he probably had a wife because he had a mother-in-law, according to verse 30 of Mark 1. And God takes care of our family needs. God healed Peter's mother-in-law. Many of you know the story. I want to remind us that the greatest healing for the child of God is when God takes us home to be with him. And sometimes God doesn't heal the way we think we should be healed. I was talking to Rick Getty just yesterday. He's our missionary. He'll be with us 10 days from now. I, I particularly like Brother Getty. And uh, he's been a faithful missionary for 40-some years now. His wife, Karen, will be with us. I'd like to have a mini one-night revival service on Wednesday the 26th, I think it is. But I just found out, I heard by the grapevine, and they never called him. Uh, they lost their 43-year-old son, wife of, or rather, husband of uh, three kids and wife, of course, tragically in an automobile accident last July. And uh, I just found out the detail, some details the other day, and... Don't bring it up to Brother Getty. I don't know how, how sensitive he is about it, but I express my condolences and so forth. And he says, Brother Marty, God has been so good to our family. And he gave, uh, gave God the glory. Even in the, the passing of his son, he says, uh, God's able to take care of us and take care of his wife and his kids who are all in their, their young 20s now. Anyhow, to begin with, they're doing fine, and he says God's grace is sufficient. God's able to take care. He cares. He cares more for your family, and you care for your family. He knows your finances. He knows your physical and material needs. Number four, Matthew 14 and verse 22 to 33. Again, just trust me. Let me quote you verses 28 and 29 of that passage. Peter said, and many of you know it. In fact, I heard Marge's class. Marge's on this point here in her ladies' class about Peter uh, uh, asking, the storm came up, and they saw what they thought was a ghost out there on the sea, and many of you know who that is, of course, already, Jesus walking on the water, and Peter yells out from the boat, Lord, if it be, be thee, bid me come and walk on the water. Jesus ran a few words sometimes, he said, come. <laughs> Uh-oh, now I'm in trouble. <laughs> and he stepped out of the boat, and he walked on the water, and we, we always highlight the point where Peter sank, but Peter walked on water. Anybody do that lately? I don't think so. God was able to, he cared for Peter so much he provided for his faith needs. You know, some of us, I'd like to think all of us in this room have put your, at one time in our life we prayed the sinner's prayer. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. I deserve to go to hell. I'm a sinner, I'm lost. Come into my heart, be my savior, take me to heaven when I die. Boom, presto bango! Our eternity was changed from hell to heaven for all eternity on a simple childlike prayer of faith. The just shall live by faith, the Bible says. We shall, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Uh, we walk by faith and not by sight. God meets our faith needs. And no, the disciples said, and the apostles, I should say, in Luke 17 and verse number 5, and the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. You know, it's, a, it's, again, a condemnation to myself and maybe to you veteran Christians as well. We're saved by faith. We get baptized by faith. We walk by faith. We, we supposedly exercise our Christian life by faith, and then we get older, and we could walk in by faith. And we think that's for now we walk by education, by sight, by what's rational, by our mind. I, I, was, I, I 
think of many times, I wish you could know how many times when we said we're coming out here and we're just going to put our shovels on the ground with no mortgage and uh, no, no finances, no small church body. We're just going to trust God and we're just going to step out by faith. I've always made the joke, but it's true. The Jehovah Witnesses had the three-day plan to build a church, to build their kingdom hall. We had the three-year plan. But we put our shovels in the ground and just trusted God and we said we're going to do it by faith. Now we walk by, now, I'm not, 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 excuse me, if I'm not careful, I can walk by sight. Peter, uh, God says, I'll take care of you and your faith needs. Number five, for sake of time here, this is a, kind of a fun one, but it's a, it's a foolish one. He takes care of us in our foolish needs. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? Remember Peter, I mean, the, the, the army comes, it's the night of the Gethsemane, the night of the betrayal. Peter, they got two swords on them. There's, we don't know how many soldiers, maybe 60, maybe some say 100, some say it's a couple hundred. Peter pulls out his sword and goes for the head of Malchus, the high priest, the, the, one of the soldiers. And, of course, Malchus ducks his head and Peter swipes off his ear. And aren't you glad that Jesus was there to pick up that ear and put it back on, on Malchus's head? Otherwise, Peter would have been in a heap of trouble, if you know what I mean. And uh, he takes care of our foolish needs. Uh, one of our members, uh, as the years go by, I can start to tattle a little bit now. And uh, things I've had to keep deep secret. Here's a, I'm going to reveal half a secret to you. We had a member of our church. They're not here this morning. So if they, now that they were here, I would have used them in an illustration. I'd have to pass this one by. But they're not here, so I'm going to use them. So go ahead and you try to figure out who I'm talking about. Go ahead. Be my guest. But uh, so a certain one of our members uh, went to a certain place that we've all been to. And they kept their car running. They had their baby in the back seat of the car. In the, in the, you know where this story is going already, in the car seat. And they had to run into the store, and they said they, 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 they shut off the car, and they did, did one of these numbers and went into the store real fast for three or four minutes. In three or four minutes, in three or four seconds, somebody saw what they did, called 911. And about two and a half minutes later, the police officers were there, and they came, they came running out, and they said, well, I'm here, I'm here, and it's too late. Letter of the law, take it up with the judge. So I went to court with them. It was, I've been to court more times, I had fingers and toes two times over. For other people, quite frankly. And uh, this judge, was, I've used this illustration many times, he was having a bad hair day that day. I mean, a real, real bad hair day. He, and he didn't have any hair was the problem. And uh, he was the toughest judge I've ever saw. And he was, he was barking out, he was slamming down people one right after another. And you could hear, uh, the courtroom was packed. There's a couple hundred people in the courtroom. And uh, uh, it was, uh, you could hear a pin drop. I mean, People next, and the next person to go up, and one kid came up with his pants halfway down his posterior, no offense, and they pull your pants up, you're in the court of law. <laughs> Hold it there. I'm not even joking. And uh, it was, there was no joking that day. And our member came up there, and uh, I'll never forget, they were very contrite. Good move to be very contrite. Very conciliate, very, very, when, uh, how do you plead? Guilty. And they were dressed very finely, not like many other people. I think, here's just practical courtroom etiquette. I think they got off very easy because of two reasons. They, they spoke very, they, they admitted their guilt, number one, and they were contrite about it. Number two, they were dressed fine. When you go to court, admit your guilt and dress fine and play, fall on the mercy of the judge. And the judge slapped their hand and let them go. Uh, with, I, don't know, I think they even got a fine for the deal. And uh, could have went to jail, as a matter of fact. But God takes care of us in our foolish times. 
I want you to just think. Now, you put your own illustration just for a moment before we move on. What is the dumbest thing that you've ever done? Well, you say, preacher, what are the ten dumbest things I've ever done? You know. You think in your mind of the times that God has delivered you. I think of some times where God has delivered me from my stupidity. Aren't you glad that God cares for us even in our stupidity, in our dumbness? Number six here, and we gotta, well, I'm going to get to the message here in about 90 seconds from right now. God takes care of us in our, not only our foolish needs, our, in our times of foolishness, in our times of, where we need faith, for our family needs, our financial needs, our physical needs. But number six is God takes care of us in our times of our most fervent needs. Peter's in jail in Acts chapter 12. People are being killed. James has been cut down with a sword. Peter's in jail. He's in prison by Herod. And uh, the angel of the Lord comes, you know the story, and loses the prison bars and the prison doors. And Peter walks out and probably puts the, the centurions, the soldiers, to sleep. And then he walks through evidently a wall. If you read the story from verses 1 to 11, you read it in the context. that He evidently, kind of like Maxwell Smart, or gets smart for you people that are older as I am. And they've gone through several, several. The next thing you know, he's knocking on the door. The people that are praying for him at the house, the teenage girl comes to the door and, and says... Peter! And she comes back, and she, she, this is Mark Schott's version, you know. She comes back to the house and says, Peter's at the door and says, you're crazy, woman. You're crazy, teenage girl. He's in prison. We're praying for him to give, be released. He can't be out of the door. Of course, Peter was. And even Peter, when he came to himself, let me quote you one verse, Acts 12, 11. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod. And from all the expectations of the people of the Jews. You think of how many times that God, because he cares for us. How many of you, you don't need to raise your hand, but you think of a time where you're alive today only by the grace of God. That time you pulled out in front of that car going 60 miles an hour, that car going 60 miles an hour, and God averted an accident, and you didn't even know about it. You know, <laughs> and uh, that happened to me when I was a kid. I pulled out in front of somebody, and I didn't know my neighbor was coming down the road about 60 miles an hour, and I, he slammed his he slammed his brakes on and went into the ditch. I, I just went on my happy way. I found out about three, three weeks later that my neighbor had to slam his brakes on so hard to miss my car pulling out of my driveway that uh, he went in the ditch. He didn't want to get me in trouble with my, my parents, so he never told for months after. So that's a true story. But uh, God takes care of us in our most times of our fervent needs, and there are many. Well, that, that leads me to, in just seven minutes, you'll see how fast we can do this. But the Bible says in transition here, let me give you our five points. The Bible says in Psalm 103, verse 14, For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are but dust. God knows who, he, who we are. And sometimes we need to have a reality check on who he is. But I want to give you, if you read the context of the passage of Scripture, we read verse 7, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. But we need to read the, pre, the context of the verses before and after and I want you to know that there's some conditions that need to be met to be taken care of by the Lord. Psalm 55, verse 22 says, He, he will never suffer the foot of the soul of the righteous to be moved. God's the God of the saint. God's the God of the saved. Now, he's the God of all creation. We understand that. But I want to give you three, five quick points here. Number one, look at verse number one again. In the elders, the preachers, the pastors, which are among you, I exhort who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also partaker of the glory that shall be hereafter. Feed the flock of God, 
which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not of filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords, overlords, over the God's heritage, but being an example to the flock. Condition number one for God's children to be taken care of. And God, God, God will take care of us, but God says, I'll take care of those that, first of all, takes, he'll take care of those that follow their shepherds. You know, there's been many, I, every time I use illustrations, personal illustrations, it seems like oftentimes I have to be evasive. Hundreds of times I've been evasive. But I'm telling you right now, and I'm trying to get you all looking in everybody's eye for one moment here. I'm telling you right now, I have buried people, and I mean this with every fiber of my being. I buried people because they didn't listen to their pastor. I'm just going to give myself a pat on the back right now for, for telling the truth. And you say, that's audacious. I'm thinking people, and I have to be elusive on purpose, but people that don't follow their pastor, that's dangerous business. Let me read to you two verses, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Remember them that have the rule or the overseership over you, whose faith, who hath spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, concerning the end of their conversation or their lifestyle. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Why? For they watch for your souls, as they must, must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Listen to your pastor. There's people, even this week, and, I'll, and I was thinking of some people that I called, and a certain person in particular, I know they're going down in a bad way. They're spiraling out of control. They're, 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 they're backsliding their way from God. I encourage this person to get in church. They, they, they need church more than they need a psychiatrist. They need church more than they need, a, they need pills. They need church more than they need a pastor in their life, more than they need uh, some of their so-called friends in their life. And uh, God will take care of those who follow their shepherds. Number two, verses two and three, we've already read them, so let me give you the point. God will take care of those who, secondly, the qualifier, the conditions to be met in order to be taken care of by the Lord, He'll take care of those who faithfully serve. Be faithful. God rewards the faithful servant of God. Peter left his successful fisherman's business in Capernaum. He left all to follow the Lord. He said in Mark chapter 10, verse 28, Lo, we have left all, Lord, and followed thee. Mark 10, 29, And Jesus answered and said, Verily I said to you, there is no man which hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or, or mother or wife or lands or children for my sake in the Gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. God says, I'll, I'm going to take care of you. I'll, I'll bless the faithful servant of God. And uh, there's a blessing to, be to, to those that faithfully serve the Lord. There's a blessing to those that faithfully walk in, walk in season and out of season when it's convenient to walk with the Lord, when it's not convenient to walk with the Lord. It's a condition to be taken care of. Be faithful in the good times and in the bad times. Be faithful and follow your shepherd, knowing that they watch for your souls. Number three, verse five, look at it with me, please. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Hey, let me, let me just tell you a little secret here, pastoral secret, another pastoral secret. When I meet people, I don't usually offer advice unless I'm asked to. 
when I meet people, and sometimes young people, I'm not trying to pick on you, but young, young adults, uh, young 20-somethings, young teen, or older teenagers, whatever, maybe you could be in your 30s. If people have all the answers, they already got it all figured out, who am I to give them some advice? But you may want to listen to your elders. You may want to listen to those that have walked a little bit longer and, and, uh, and, and maybe have a little more experience, those that know the word of God. You may want to listen to them. God resists the proud. The Bible says, verse number six, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And so Roman numeral number three, the third condition to be taken care of by the Lord, he takes care of those who forsake self. So there's their pride. In James chapter 4, verses 6 to 10, it's almost a parallel passage to verses 5 and 6, but verse 10 it says, Humble yourself in the sight of God, and he, and he shall lift you up. And so we need to forsake ourselves, forsake our pride. And Peter could, it was a prideful man, there's no doubt about it, but he began to, to, to cast all his cares upon the Lord and says, Lord, I can't do it. You've got to do it for me. In fact, you, here, you have it all. I'm not going to lay it down at your feet. I'm going to cast it at your feet. You've got it all. And uh, I'll take your yoke. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. Verses 8 and 9. Notice the fourth condition. Paul, Peter spoke from experience when he said this. Be sober. Be vigilant. Or be level-headed. Be watchful. Be, be, be vigilant. Beware. Because your adversary, the devil... Jesus had said in Luke chapter 22 and verse 31, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to sift you, have you, to sift you as wheat. He wants to destroy you, Peter. Peter, God said that to Peter when he was cocky, when he had all the answers. Now Peter's humbled, and he's a veteran apostle now of the Lord, and he says, with all humility, he says, Be sober, be vigilant, for you ever see the devil as a warring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Peter said, God takes care of those who flee from Satan. The thief comes but to kill, steal, and destroy, but I am come that they may have life, Jesus said, and have it more abundantly, of course. And so we see this. Conditions that need to be met. Number five here. Don't turn me off here. I got an illustration and we'll be done here in a moment here. Verse number 10. Fifth condition. Qualifier. For those that want to be taken care of by the Lord. The Bible says, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Notice he takes care of those who put their faith and trust or faith in the, in the Savior. Uh, you know, this world's too short. This world's too much, too many problems to not put our faith in the Savior, to, to die without Christ in our hearts. Peter gave the answer why the lame man at the temple beautiful in Acts 3, 16 now walked. He says, in, and he said, and in his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man, to, man strong, whom ye now see and know. Uh, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And first, in Acts 4.12, Jesus, Peter said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby ye must be saved. The Bible says in 
Peter's gospel, or Peter's epistle, excuse me, verse number seven, after many years, maybe we don't know how old Peter was, but we think he's in his 50s or 60s at this time. He said, casting all your care upon him. Peter used to cast all his care upon himself. He said, I'll take care of it. I can handle this. I got it all figured out. The story is told of Charles Weigel. Just out of curiosity, help me out here. How many, Justin and Daniel were in the 815 service. They already heard this once, so you guys don't count. How many have heard the name Charles Weigel? Charles Weigel was an itinerant preacher, a very famous itinerant preacher in the 1930s and 1940s of our country. He was having great revivals, brought many people to Christ. And he came home one day from a very great meeting where numbers of souls were saved, and he saw a note on his kitchen table. It was from his wife, and his wife said, I'm leaving you. I cannot handle this life any longer. It's too much. It's too taxing. I mean, I don't want to serve the Lord. And, I, and she left. This was in the 1930s or 1940s. This was when it was a stigma for non-Christian people to get divorced, let alone Christian people. And uh, she filed for separation and divorce. She got it. He was devastated. His ministry was completely canceled. He canceled himself. And a few years went by, and he, he, he began to preach again and so forth. Never did get remarried. But he wrote a song. He wrote numbers of songs, but he wrote a song that was inspired, and he spent his last years preaching. He's, Charles Weigel is not known for his thousands of messages that he preached throughout the country in his two terms as an evangelist, one before his separation from his wife and one after. But Charles Weigel is known for this song. I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus. Since I found in him a friend so strong and true, I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. You see, when Kristen messed up when she was a tweeny, she messed up several times. She's not here, so she, she doesn't have to hear this. But when she messed up and said, I can handle it. I can do it all by myself. Mom and Dad knew she couldn't do it by herself. But we also knew that we'd be there to help pick up the pieces when she finally came to the end of herself. And the song says, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. You see, Mom and Dad cared for more for Kristen than Kristen cared for herself. God cares more for you. Christ cares more for you. And we care for ourselves. That's why he says, casting all your care. Some, sometimes we say, I don't care. That's the wrong attitude for a Christian. We ought to care. And that's a good place for all God's people to say amen to, by the way. We ought to care. We ought to care what, how we serve the Lord. But I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. All my life was full of sin when Jesus found me. All my heart was full of misery and woe. Jesus placed his strong and loving arms around me, and he led me in the way I ought to go. The last verse says, Every day he comes to me with new assurance. More and more I understand his words of love, but I'll never know just why he came to save me till someday I see his blessed face above. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cares for me. Casting all your care upon him. 
for he careth for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, you cared for us when we were in the womb, before we were even born. Lord, you cared for us in our young age. Lord, you cared for us in our adolescence. You care for us in our adult age, in our middle age, and in our senior age. Lord, you never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, we were more precious than gold. We're your beloved. We thank you that you care. You care for us more than anybody else has ever cared for us. Help us to cast all of our cares upon you, for you care, upon, care for us. Lord, blessed in moments of invitation this morning, we pray. Lord, have your will and way in this, in this service this, this, this morning, we pray. In this time of invitation, we pray in Christ's name we ask. Amen. 168 in the hymn book, that song we don't normally sing. Does Jesus care?